you would turn in your copy of God's Word to Luke uh, chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. We're continuing our study through Luke's Gospel. Um, I'll read uh, Luke 18, 1 through 8. Uh, I'll pray, then we'll dig into the Word of the Lord uh, together. Hear God's Word, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And he said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him, saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God, no, nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to, the, to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let's pray. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great privilege of entering into your presence. You are holy. You are wonderful. You are righteous. You are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God, we thank you for your name, the name that is above every name. God, we thank you that you are the only sovereign king of the universe. And God, when we enter into your holy presence, we are reminded of how short we fall. God, Father, so right now we come asking for forgiveness of our sins. God, we confess our doubt we confess our lack of trust in you. We can trust that so many times we don't have faith. We don't have faith in your word. We don't have faith in your character. We don't have faith in your promises. So God, we come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ through his shed blood, confessing our sins to you. And God, we hold fast to your great promises in your word because Jesus Christ died for us once and for all. That you will remember our sins no more. So God, I pray that you would remind us that because we are connected to Christ, that we are in union with him, that all our sins, all our past, present, and future sins are forgiven in the cross. Father, we uh, pray for those in our congregation who are hurting. God, there are so many here, so many hurting with different needs, Lord, whether they be financial or physical, God, whether they be um, emotional or spiritual. God, I pray that you would meet them this morning with your grace. Father, we pray for the gospel in our, in our county. We pray this morning for Kerry Caldwell at uh, Central Baptist Church. God, we pray that as he stands and preaches your word this morning, that you would use him, that he would speak the true gospel, that the people there would be changed, they'd be transformed, God, by the power of your spirit, to be moved by your powerful grace. God, we thank you for our world uh, we do pray now for our nation, God. We pray for wisdom to our, for our leaders, Lord. 
in this complex global world we live in. God, I pray that you would give our leaders wisdom as they face the many threats, um, both in our world, in our country, God, and outside. Father, we pray that you would be gracious uh, to us through them. Use them to punish the wrongdoer and give justice to the one who, who practices righteousness. Father, we pray now for our own hearts as we gather here your word. God, I pray that you would speak, God, that you would speak your holy word to our hearts, God, that, we would, that you would soften us right now to receive your word, that we would have fertile soil, God, that the, that the word that is sown this morning would re- reap a, a harvest, Lord, a 30, 60 to 100-fold harvest of fruit, the fruit of righteousness. So, God, I pray for the people you have entrusted to me, God, that their love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, that they may be able to discern what is best and be filled, Lord, filled with the fruits of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God, I pray that I would decrease. God, that right now that I would be completely submissive to your word. God, God, I pray that you would use the humble offering of your word by your servant this morning to edify and strengthen your people. God, we thank you that you are a God who who encourages us always to pray and not to lose heart. God, I pray that you would hear this prayer through Christ, knowing that when we pray things to you, that you hear us. And because that you hear us, we know that we have what we ask for. So God, I pray even now, Lord, that you would answer your prayers by building up your church, that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Dennis uh, Jernigan uh, was born in 1954 in Sopulpa, Oklahoma. Uh, He was raised in a Christian home, attended a Baptist church. He was surrounded by Christian influence. And even though he was surrounded by Christian parents and a Christian church, uh, Dennis struggled with homosexuality. He battled same-sex attraction from middle school through his early 20s. One day, while at a Christian concert, Jernigan was born again by the Spirit of God. He was delivered. He confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord and began his lifelong sanctification journey. Upon his conversion, Jernigan started writing music, and now his songs are sung all over the world. I remember singing them in college. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jernigan has helped Christians worship to lift their praises to the throne room of heaven for over 30 years. How did this once practicing homosexual change to become a worldwide worship leader? The answer came uh, after a concert when he was in his mid-30s, about 10 years after he began his musical career. A woman named June Smith approached him after the concert. Uh, Miss Smith has been part of uh, Jernigan's grandmother's weekly prayer group. Miss Smith asked Jernigan if he ever remembered going to his grandmother's house and sitting at the piano and playing piano. He says, of course I remember that. 
He said, I want you to know that when you stood at that piano, your grandmother started praying over you. She started praying that God would allow you to use your love of music to send his praises throughout the globe. She came back to our weekly prayer group and asked us to agree with her in prayer. We prayed for you every week for years. And then she looked at him and said, you know what? We still do. Jernigan became a worldwide vehicle for worship because of the faithful, persevering prayers of his grandmother and her friends. His grandmother would never live to see the fruit of her prayers. But without her prayerful perseverance, Jernigan may still be lost in the world of homosexuality. Persevering prayer helped transform Dennis Jernigan. Prayer is powerful. Jesus wants his people to pray and not to lose heart. It took years and years of prayers of a group of godly older women to transform a lost young man to a new, become a new creation in Christ. I want to share with you this morning five marks of a persevering prayer life. Five marks of persevering prayer. If you want to follow along in the bulletin provided for you, flip on the back. Five marks of persevering prayer. First, prayer should be regular. Prayer should be regular. It's important to keep in mind the context of this parable. Jesus connects this parable to uh, what we talked about last week, the Son of Man coming in glory. In the last sentence we just read, verse 8, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus gives this parable as one to encourage us to persevere. So he gives us the whole meaning of the parable right there in Luke 18.1. He says, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. The word translated there for ought is the Greek word day, D-E-I. And that is what Luke consistently uses for commands or imperatives that Luke, that Jesus gives us. We must always pray and not lose heart. Prayer should be as regular for the Christian as breathing. D.L. Moody was teaching at an elementary school on one of his trips to Scotland. Uh, He started with a rhetorical question to the group of kids. He says, what is prayer? And a number of hands shot up in the sky. Uh, Curiosity caused Moody to call on one of these youngsters. And the youngster said, prayer is an offering up to our desires unto God. In the name of Christ, by the help of his spirit, with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. That's answer number 98 in the Westminster Catechism. Uh, Moody smiled, looked at the boy and said, Son, be thankful you were born in Scotland. Prayer is simply an offering up of your desires to God in the name of Christ by the help of a spirit. Prayer is asking for God's help and mercy. It should be a regular part of the Christian life. Paul encourages us in the same way in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. He says, pray without ceasing. Christians should always pray. Now, this doesn't mean that we only pray and do nothing else, as if we're walking around in a trance or constantly on our knees praying. 
But what it does mean that we should be always bringing our knees before the Lord. God, help me concentrate during this sermon. It's a good one to pray. Help me to eat well today. Strengthen me to serve my children. Provide for our family's daily needs. Help my kids make good friends. Heal, heal my friend who has cancer. Keep me safe on the road. So the question is, is what are your needs? What are you dealing with on a day-to-day basis? And whatever those needs are, take those needs to God. Prayer should be regular. Take them to God in prayer. The second thing that prayer should be, it should be repeated. Not only regular, but repeated. We should not only pray, but we should pray repeatedly to our Heavenly Father. Now, Jesus told us this parable to encourage his people, his disciples, to pray and not lose heart. We continue to lift our request to God, regardless of whether we believe they are being heard. I mean, can you imagine this grandmother praying for her grandson who was seeped in the world of homosexuality? She could probably say, why should I continue to pray? Seeing that my prayers are not being heard. But her prayers were heard. This is what the whole purpose and the thrust of this parable is. Listen to it again. In verse 2, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me. I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the righteous, unrighteous judge says. And he will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. The widow was given justice because of her repeated pleas for mercy. I remember after preaching one Sunday morning, I was preaching on 1 Peter 3 um, about, about marriage. And a woman came up to me and she said, um, it's hard to continue to pray for her husband. She had been going to church for 13 years alone. She'd come to Sunday school alone. She'd get in her car alone. She'd sit in worship alone. And after praying week after week, year after year, her husband had not yet come to church. I looked at her and I said, I don't have all the answers, but you need to continue to pray and pray. I said, can I pray with you? Can I start to pray with you for your husband? And after praying a year with her, her husband came. She came, started coming to worship. And he started started coming to Sunday school. And now he is a vital part of the congregation because a woman was faithful to repeatedly persevere in prayer for her husband for over a decade. Now, we live in a generation that wants things right now, but God looks at us and says, continue to come to me. Come to me with your prayers. I hear you. Come to me. She did not give up, but she reaped the harvest of her prayers at the proper time time. Beloved, I know you, and I know there are things in your lives 
that you have asked God for years. And you have heard no answer. The prayer has not been answered yet. And I am confident that there are some of you here today that want to give up. You want to stop praying. You want to stop seeking God's face. You are losing heart that God is listening to your prayers. Jesus is speaking to you this morning. Jesus says to you, always pray. Do not lose heart. Keep going. Do not give in. I am with you. I have not forsaken you. I have heard your cries for mercy. Beloved, have courage. Continue to pray. The third thing we should do in our prayer life, prayer should be reasonable. Prayer should be reasonable. Peter writes in his first epistle, uh, verse chapter 5, verse 7, that we should cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us. Now, we have anxieties and worries that God tells us to bring to him. But our request should be reasonable. Would it be wrong to ask God to give you a new car if you are anxious about reliable transportation to work? Of course not. That is a, a need, an anxiety that you have in your life. Bring that request to God. Now, but would it be wrong to ask God to give you a new Lexus so your friends would be jealous? Yes. <laughs> First John 5, 14 and 15 kind of give us a framework of how we should pray. It says this, and this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we asked of him. And in James 4, 2 and 3, it says this, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So in these three verses, we see three reasons our prayers are not answered. First, we are asking for something outside God's will. Second, we're just not asking. We have not because we ask not. And third, our prayers are not answered because we ask with the wrong motives. Selfish motives. See, but the persistent widow here in the text had a very reasonable request. She wanted justice. Now, in that day, widows were kind of the, the least of society. Um, we shouldn't think in this verse that the widow was uh, older. She could have been. But most women got married at the age of 14 or 15 years old. So it would have not been uncommon to have this woman be young. Look at verse 3 again. It says, this widow in there was a certain widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. She was demanding justice. You know, God's people should care about justice. We should desire God to vindicate us and deliver us from our persecutions and our trials. And although we can make application from this parable to all kind of prayer, how we should be bringing our request to God, the thrust of this parable is focused on a very specific prayer, and that is the prayer for justice. Look at the end of the, ver the, end of the parable, verses 7 and 8. Jesus concludes, and will God, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. 
Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? See, the prayer for justice is a reasonable prayer that will be answered by our God. The first century Christians were under persecution. They were crying out to God to give them victory from their enemies. Much like our brothers and sisters now who are in Iraq fighting the ISIS or in Nigeria battling Boko Haram. They are under oppression. Many of them are losing their lives and they're crying, God, vindicate us. Show us your justice. Now we have prayers that we, we, we pray here and God hears all our prayers. But this text is referring to a specific prayer for justice. And you can imagine praying that God would protect your children and then seeing your children not being protected. Seeing that God would come and vindicate his people and not seeing it. God says, you may be tempted to lose heart. Hear me. I hear your prayers. Do not lose heart. Continue to seek my face. I will give you justice. I will avenge my people. And we, we know this to be true because the promise we just see in the Son of Man will come and save the righteous and punish the wicked from the passage we just talked about last week, Luke 17, 20 through 37. See, the greatest challenge for us in our prayers is that God answers them in His timing and not our own. God will give us final justice on the day of the Lord. Now, Peter even connects this promise with patience, the patience and the day of the Lord with a similar encouragement. He says this, Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. The Lord will give us justice. But his patience towards us is so that no one would perish, but all would come to repentance. That his elect, his chosen ones, would come to repentance. We are not called to understand the Lord's timing. We want to, don't we? We want to, to know how the Lord's moving, when he's moving. But God says, you, you may not understand that. But you should know this, that all of your prayers are not rooted in understanding his timing, but in his character. That fourth thing, all prayer should be rooted. Prayer should be rooted. Throughout this parable, Jesus is offering a lesser to greater than example. He's showing that this unrighteous judge who neither fears man nor fears God but makes decisions for himself to serve his own interests. If this unrighteous, selfish judge will give justice to a persistent widow, will not God do so even more? How much more would God do that? Look at verse 7. Jesus draws his comparison very clear. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. Stop. Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give you justice to his elect who cried to him day and night? See, our desire 
to always pray and not lose heart is rooted and grounded in God's holy love for us. In 1 Peter 5, 7, we, we said it, right? Cast all your cares and your anxieties into God because he loves us. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? James 1, 5, anyone lacks wisdom, let him come to God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Beloved, God loves to bless his people. God loves to answer the prayers of his people. We see that most clearly in in how God saves unrighteous sinners. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? We should always pray pray and not lose heart because God did not spare his own son. He sent Jesus for you to die in your place, to be raised for you so that you can spend eternity with him. If God gave you Jesus, don't you think he's going to give you the rest? We are in Christ. We are children of God. We are forgiven. We are righteous. We are heirs of the kingdom of heaven. We are new creation. God has already given us so much. He wants to give us more. So we should pray and not lose heart. Now, friend, if you're here and you're not a Christian, have you ever considered how much God loves you? I mean, the Bible says that we are unjust and will face true justice. We have all been there, but God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to bear the burden of anyone who would turn from their sins and trust in him. He was crucified, but was raised on the third day, and now because of his victory over the grave, we live in hope for our future resurrection. Friend, God promises that he will give justice to his people. And this morning, God is inviting you to become one of his people by turning from your sins and trusting in him. He invites you. Will you come? Will you come this morning? At the end, during our invitation, come grab my hand and say, I want to follow Jesus. Talk to me at the door. Talk to the person who brought you. Jesus Christ invites you to come. Confess your sins. Believe in Christ. Well, let me close with this last point. Prayer should be refocusing. Prayer should be refocusing. Prayer is an act of humility. Every time we pray, we say to God, I cannot do it alone. I need you. In this way, prayer is always a refocusing of our lives onto God. That we're not going to depend upon ourselves. We're not going to work like it depends upon us and pray like it depends upon God. No, we are going to pray like it depends upon God, and we are going to live in light of the fact that everything depends upon God. Everything is grounded in Him. God opposes the proud. Literally, God is against or God hates the proud. But He gives grace to the humble. Prayer is God's way of training us to be humble that we need mercy and grace. We pray because we are insufficient of ourselves. We pray because only God can do the impossible. We pray because God, who knows all, told us to pray. 
Jesus wants us to take our eyes off of our light and momentary afflictions and to focus on the eternal weight of glory that awaits us on the return of the Son of Man. Prayer refocuses our hearts on heaven. Jesus knows this, and therefore he encourages us to continue to pray and not to lose heart. Look at how he ends this parable. He encourages us to pray, then he says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, connecting it back to the earlier story, will he find faith on earth? Jesus is drawing everything back to the day of the Lord. When the Lord comes to bring justice to his people, will he find faith? Will he find people trusting in his name? Will he find people believing in his love? Will he find people hoping in their future resurrection on the basis of the resurrection of the the, the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, when we pray, that shows us that we have faith. That we have faith. Beloved, we should have faith in God and God's command to always pray and not lose heart. George Mueller uh, was a pastor uh, in in the mid to late 1800s. Um, he established six different orphanage houses uh, for children in his lifetime, caring for over 10,000 children. Um, It's well known that Mueller never asked a single person for money, never asked anyone to give to him, never asked any of his friends to ask on his behalf for financial resources, except he did ask God. He asked God again and again to meet the needs. And God provided, oftentimes miraculously. One story is he was praying. They had no resources to feed the children. He was just praying that God would meet their need. And a milk truck broke down right in front of him. And at that time, they couldn't keep the milk anymore. So they said, the milkman came to the door and said, could you use 10 gallons of milk to feed the children? Yes, we could. (laughs) The Lord answered prayer after prayer after prayer. Mueller wanted the world to see that God is faithful. That God is faithful and he could be trusted in all areas of life. Let me conclude with his own words. Listen to what Mueller said of why he did not ask anybody for help. It seemed to me best done by establishing of an orphan house. It needed to be something which could be seen even by the natural eye. Now, if I, a poor man, simply by prayer and faith, obtained without asking any individual the means for establishing and carrying on an orphan house, there would be something which, with the Lord's blessing, might be instrumental in strengthening the faith of the children of God, besides being a testimony to the consciences of the unconverted, of the reality of the things of God. Thus, This then was the primary reason for establishing the orphan house. The first and primary object of work was and still is that God might be magnified by this fact, that the orphans under my care are provided with all their need only by prayer and faith, without anyone being asked by me or my fellow laborers, whereby it may be seen, hear me, that God is faithful still. And hears prayers still. Did you hear that? God is faithful. God hears your prayers. This is why, beloved, we should not lose heart, but always pray. God is faithful. God 
will always be faithful. He is faithful to hear, hear our prayers. He will give us justice. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So I encourage you, like the Lord Jesus encourages us, always pray. Do not lose heart. God is faithful. God is faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we get to come to you as our Heavenly Father. God, we come to you as our Heavenly Father, reminding that you have been faithful to us in Christ, that you sent Christ to bring us into your kingdom, the righteous for the unrighteous, that we could be brought to your throne. So God, I pray at every time we bow in prayer, that we, first of all, would bow in prayer, that we would bring all our needs to you. God, you delight. You delight in hearing the prayers of your people. So God, I pray, I pray, God, that we this morning would know that you are faithful, that you are faithful in your character, you are faithful in your hearing of our prayers, God. So God, we pray that we would not lose heart, but we would always pray. We ask this in Jesus, the faithful one. His name, amen.